Okay, well, welcome to church, everybody. We're so glad you're with us, either here in person or online. We're going to get right into it this morning, so buckle up, get your Bibles out. Uh, I just want to put a little disclosure out there. I love this time of the year. I've, I think I've said that every time this time of the year, but it's worth saying again. I love Christmas, probably for the wrong reasons. Certainly not all the right reasons. I get caught up in the commercialism. I get caught up in the gift giving, the parties and everything. Although those have kind of been significantly cut down because of COVID. Still, nevertheless, I love Christmas. I love it so much that I was willing to just bypass Thanksgiving two weeks prior and start setting up my tree and the wreaths and the lights around my house. Luckily, Ebenezer Scrooge, my wife, um, prevented me uh, in doing that. And she said, it'd probably be good that we, we celebrate Thanksgiving together, then move on to Christmas. And I'm like, ah, bah humbug. Let's get into the spirit, babe. My neighbors were looking weird, uh, kind of cross-eyed at me because I did do some decorating to the outside of the house uh, uh, two weeks prior to Thanksgiving. I know it's weird, but I love this time of the year. And if you're anything like me, where you love Christmas so much that you're willing to just, you know, blow right past Thanksgiving and get right into Christmas, celebrating and setting up the house and getting into that spirit. Um, You need something to kind of balance you out, right? You need something to kind of recalibrate and refocus you on the bigger picture of what this season is all about. And and this is why I love Advent, the story of Jesus's birth. I love it because it takes someone like me who is kind of like head over heels about Christmas and refocuses my heart on the bigger picture of Jesus' birth. Not only Jesus' birth, but yet his coming back to the earth again. And we're still awaiting, we're caught up in that tension, right, of that second advent. And, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that this time of the year, for, for someone like me who forgets a lot, uh, it reminds me that this life, it, it's not it. <laughs> Okay, like this is but just a momentary kind of brief blip on the screen, right? Because Jesus is coming back in this season, susses out all the American kind of Western, you know, kind of I love Christmas Santa Claus, you know, wreaths and trees, bells and whistles, gifts for everybody. Kind of takes me out of that, snaps me into the bigger picture of Jesus's birth and his coming. Now, if you have your Bibles If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to land in verse 8 through 14. Here, just the backstory, we'll read it, but we're going to kind of cut in midway into the story. There's a group of shepherds, and they're about ready to have a a significant encounter with some angels uh, out there in the field. And and these, these shepherds, they're near the place of where Jesus had just been born in Bethlehem. Let's pick up reading in verse 8 if you have your Bibles there. It says, in the same region there were shepherds. Now, the same region is near the place in which Jesus was born. These shepherds were out in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring good news. Someone say, good news. Good news of great joy, right? That will be for all people. This is going to be a very significant thing that happens in history uh, amongst God in his creation. So this angel is bringing good news of great joy for not just some of us, but for all who would receive the gift of this child. Verse 11. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those of whom God is pleased with. This is good news, friends. I, I couldn't imagine what my response might be if I was one of those shepherds out there in the field that day. I'd probably, you know, I guess the 2020 me thinks I would kind of be ecstatic and, and kind of like thrilled to see uh, an angel and hear such news. But, you know, if I, if I kind of really think about God and the way that he's appeared to uh, certain people throughout the scriptures, I'd probably be just like them fearing, being like, oh my goodness, what is going on? This is jacked. But this is some good news, right? The angel's bringing some good news and that good news is that a savior is born. A savior. And the second piece of this good news is that God is going to bring peace among all those in whom he is pleased with. And that's quite significant. I mean, if there's someone that I don't want to have trouble with, if there's someone that I don't want to be at war with, it's God. And this is not just like me and my friends in some kind of riff or some kind of tiff and we get reconciled and there's a sense of peace now where there might have been some division prior. This is God whom we were at, at odds with that now he's stepping onto the scene and saying, hey, I'm gonna bring peace to all those who I am pleased. So this is pretty significant. But you know something else that we need to consider? Um, you know, I, 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 I believe that in order for us to truly appreciate this good news, we need to recognize and understand some not so good news, some bad news. And, uh, you know, this is where we get kind of in the weeds, right? Because we, 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 it's just 2020. It seems like every day you'll flip over in your news feed, you'll put on the television screen, there's nothing but bad news. So why we would want to hear more bad news? Well, we got to. Because isn't that what makes good news good? It, it comes on the heels of some terrible news, doesn't it? What's the bad news? Well, I'm sure you're aware that we are sinners. Hopefully you're aware of that, aware of that. Some in the church, I don't know if they are, uh, but, but hear me, the Bible's very clear. We are sinners, and our sin has separated us from God, according to scriptures, and we'll get into that later. Uh, we could not save ourselves. We can't, we can't reconcile, we can't help that dilemma out, right? We can't bridge that separation between uh, us and God. Only God can, and surely that's what he's doing right here as baby Jesus I almost feel like that movie, was it Talladega Nights, is it? I just want to say nine pounds, ten ounces, baby Jesus kind of thing. But no, this baby has been born and he's about ready through his life, his death, and his resurrection to bridge the gap between broken creation and God. But we couldn't save ourselves, we can't bridge that gap. And instead of peace, the Bible says that we deserve God's wrath. That's the bad news. But what's great and glorious about this announcement is that the child's birth means that God is going to intervene. <laughs> He's going to step upon 
that bad news, he's going to intervene and bridge all of those things together and reconcile all of those things together in his son Jesus. So, what gets reconciled? Well, first, we get reconciled. All of creation gets reconciled to God. That separation that I talked about early, earlier, excuse me, when, when it comes to the bad news, no longer exists. Uh, instead of God's wrath, here right now, we've been offered his peace. Sin is forgiven, and friends, death no longer has dominion over us. This is not it for us. We will live on in eternity with Jesus. And so this is something to get very excited about. Now, and just in case you think I'm being a bit dramatic about bad news, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 to help us out. And let's look at Paul's words when it comes to our, uh, our position, our condition prior to Christ. In verse 2, Paul says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. Friends, no hope. You may feel like hope is gone in 2020. Well, hey, let, me, let me just try to convince you. This is a certain kind of hopelessness. <laughs> this isn't just a pandemic. This isn't uh, uh, racial unrest. This is not the polit uh, political you know, darkness that seems to be raging and unhinged in our culture. This is no peace because we have nothing in God, no access to the covenantal promises of God. That's heavy. Let's read that again. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant promises, covenant promises, having no hope without God in the world. But now, <laughs> I, I love those words. Whenever those words pop up in scripture, my heart gets excited. But God, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Now, let me just, just put the knife in a little bit deeper. Prior to this portion of passages or this portion of text that we just read, Paul said that we were dead in our trespasses, children of God's wrath. That is a scary position to be in. But God did something. In his child, in Christ, we, if, if it wasn't for Christ being born, if it wasn't for Christ being put to death and him raising again, we would still be in this position. We would still be in this place, being dead in our trespasses, having no hope in the world, and unfortunately, at the hands of God's wrath and not his peace. I like to read a little section of a book that me and my family have been uh, going over for Advent. Um, I'd like to say we do this every year, but I'm not sure if we use the same material. Uh, but this is Come Let Us Adore Him. It's a daily Advent devotional by Paul David Tripp. And uh, I'm going to let him do some speaking for me, uh, just in case if anybody might be confused about what I've said thus far. 
Uh, so let's, let's read just a couple paragraphs here, can we? Uh, here in, in, in December 5th was that this entry, just in case you wanted to know. I don't know how helpful that would be, but um, this is a great book, and you might want to get it maybe for next year's uh, Advent season. Uh, one of the primary purposes of the incarnation of Jesus is to humble each and every one of us. Let me say this. Let me say it this way, excuse me. Only when you accept the very, very bad news of Jesus' birth will you then be excited about its very, very good news. Good news is only ever good news to people who know that they need good news. $10 is extremely good news to a poor man, but would not even get noticed by a rich man. The promise of healing is wonderfully good news to a very sick woman, but would not even get the attention of a woman who, ha- who was in good health. Jesus' birth is both the worst and the best news ever. And understanding this will both change your life forever. It is humbling to accept that God came in the person of Jesus to live the way that we were created to live, but would never die. To die the death that each one of us deserves to die and to rise out of the tomb, defeating sin and death because there was simply no other way. God knew that our condition was so desperately grave that he was willing to go to the extent to reach and rescue us. Ponder the fact that God was willing to control the events in world history to bring this world to the place where conditions were right for Jesus to come. Simply because we had no power whatsoever to help ourselves out of our desperate state. Humanity was so incredibly messed up that there was only one solution, and that was God himself. Hopefully, that drives the point home. You know, some of what alarms me today in the church is that when I, because, you know, I, I, I try, it's, you know, I'm a pastor, so I, I keep my eye on things. I, it's, it's kind of probably unhealthy. I'll drive home from here after a Sunday, and I'll start just, you know, because everybody's online now with COVID. I'll just start scrolling through some churches here in, in Boston and some friends of mine who are, you know, pastoring uh, across America and, and, and essentially the gl- globe. And, and, I'll, and I'll just watch and just see what they're doing and see if I can gleam anything, learn anything, hear anything, be encouraged by anything. Uh, but the one thing that I've, I've been somewhat troubled by is that uh, to many, Jesus has become um, a lot of things. <laughs> I, I don't know how to say that any other way. Other than, let me just say this, a savior doesn't necessarily top the list. Jesus, the savior, isn't number one, uh, you know, uh, top of the list here. It seems as though Jesus has become this kind of person where he's just, his only interest is to bless you, give you health, give you wealth. But yet, we, 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 I don't hear a lot of, he's come to save you. And I think it's because um, the subject, we steer away from the subject because it forces us to look at our own sin, our own wickedness and depravity. And like I said earlier, who wants to do that? Who wants to look at that, that the ugliness of sin 
and how it has still some of our hearts and some of our lives caught up you know, in its grip. Nobody wants to do that. But in order for the gospel to change your life, uh, we have to understand the bad so we can rejoice about the good. There's a lot of unhappy Christians in the world. I've said this over and over. We have no reason to be unhappy as believers. We have no reason at all to not be excited about faith, to not be excited about our walk with Christ. You know, and I can confidently say that. You know, and I want to be careful here. Listen, you can be excited even if you have sickness in your body. You can be excited about your walk in your faith even if your marriage is at odds, if it's falling apart. You can be excited about faith and about Christ even though you may not be all that wealthy and maybe be in debt and may be feeling the tension of not having enough. You can get excited. Why? Because of this. Because we have something that is eternal. All the other things that I've listed are simply temporal. And so my joy is not necessarily rooted in the things of this world, so to speak. I'm not worried about Jesus blessing me. I want Jesus to bless me, but I'm not consumed with that. Why? Because Jesus has saved me, and therefore I am blessed. Let me try to be humorous here uh, for a little bit. Um, back in, I don't know, man, I'm be my birthday soon. I'm, I'm going to be 42. Uh, so I, I can't really remember, probably because of my age, the date and the time of the story that I'm about ready to tell. But um, back in, I think, my 20s, um, I, owed, I owned, excuse me, a Toyota Celica. And... Uh, you know, I don't even know if they sell Celicas anymore, uh, but I was pretty excited about this car, um, mainly because it was like a two-door kind of sports car, although it had no speed at all, but it just kind of looked sporty. You, you, seriously, you'd, you'd try to drive the, the gas to the floor, it would have no get up and go. Um, it was a bit drafty. It had a sunroof. I thought that was awesome, uh, it, but it, yet it leaked. So like whenever it rained, it just like it leaked on the seat. And so it, it was a great car to have in the summer. Terrible for the winter. Terrible for the winter. Well, right around the time, uh, me and Bethany started dating. And um, she invited me with her family to go to a play out in Candia, New Hampshire, a Christmas play. Uh, to watch it with her and her family. I was just going to drive out there and meet up with them uh, to, to watch the play with them. And I took the Celica. And um, it was kind of a long haul. I'm surprised the Celica made it, honestly. I would only stay really local. You know, 15 miles was about all I would risk with the car uh, because I just didn't know. It was one of those things, you know, it just could go at any moment. Um, but it was winter. And the day... Um, in the morning, it brought some snow. It got warm during the afternoon. The snow melted. And so uh, the snow on top of the Celica kind of melted and the water came in to the uh, leaky sunroof in the car on the passenger seat. 
I didn't know. I never sat on the passenger seat, so I never had that kind of experience over there. But, but Bethany wanted to drive home with me after uh, this play. I was going to bring her uh, an extra, I think, 25 to 30 minutes, which was really risking it with the Celica, to her home in Groveland where I lived in Kingston. Well, anyways, um, the, the play's over. We get into the car. And, and I, mind you, I just want to say, I, I was somewhat um, deceived or a bit delusional about this car. It was much worse than I ever thought, you know, and gave it credit for. I was like, I was so excited that I would just kind of downplay all its imperfections, right? And so we're driving home, and again, I didn't say this, but the heat didn't work. It's just, it's, it's all that and, and, and more. So we're driving home, and Bethany, if there's one thing that she cannot take, it's the cold. Like, <laughs> but she's a trooper, and she was, I, I, I just have to believe she was so in love with me, it didn't care. Love heated that car that night. Um, well, love also heated that seat up a bit. And the ice that had kind of formed as the temperatures dropped that night were now starting to loosen and get watery. And unfortunately, Bethany's guess was wet. <laughs> and, and her body was cold and it was just a mess. It, it, it finally dawned on me as I dropped her off cold and wet that this car is not as good as I think it is. And, and can I just submit to you, I don't know if this will necessarily connect, but I think sometimes that's the way we think about sin. It's not as bad as that man's sin. After all, you know, I'm not, I'm not sleeping around. I, I'm just being promiscuous with one woman. Um, you know, I didn't kill anybody. You know, I'm just angry at my neighbor, cursing him in my mind. Uh, you know, I'm, it's not as bad. But yet, the fact of the matter it, it, the fact of the matter is, it is bad. And we need not to downplay the ugliness of sin. But you know what's good about this is we can glory in the love of God. We we need not to downgrade the sin in our efforts to prop up. God's love for us doesn't, doesn't, we don't need to do it <laughs> because in and of itself, it's already done. <laughs> now, I love what Mark Driscoll says. Now, I know there are probably um, people here who aren't listen, uh, who do not like Mark Driscoll. He had some, you know, some stormy <laughs> uh, situations going on in his life, but I happen to really like him. And I think his story is a great story of redemption and, and God's transformative power. And um, he's a good pastor who I happen to listen to a lot that's now pastoring in Arizona. And uh, he wrote a little piece on Advent. And this is uh, part of what he said. And this is how I want to make this next point. And I don't even think he is the person responsible for the intellectual kind of property here. I think actually Tim Keller said it, although he did not say it this way. Mark Driscoll said, the good news of Jesus Christ is that not only are we worse than we feared, but we are also more loved than we hoped. Let me say that again. The good news of Jesus Christ is that not only are we worse than we feared, but we are also more loved than we hoped. Now let's look at the scriptures. One last one before we conclude today. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 11. Here's Paul the apostle. He says, for while we were still weak or still sinners, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God, here's another, but God shows what? His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's ugly. Sin is ugly. It is bad. As we, it's as worse as we feared. But there's a great hope. Christ's love. Because even though we were sinners, he still died. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. You hearing this? We're enemies of God. Who does that? Who looks to seek out peace with their enemies? I, I know some of you guys are super, you know, pious and religious, right? You know, yeah, I, I do that. No, you don't. And, if, and even if you do, you do it nothing like this. We, not, none of us do. But we were his enemies. And he reconciled us back to himself by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that. Listen, it just goes on and all the good attributes and, and qualities of God on display here. He just rambles on here and on here about being reconciled and loved and saved. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, Paul makes the issue clear as day. Uh, we are, by choice, ungodly sinners deserving his wrath. We are his enemies. That's where the relationship starts. But it's not where it stops. It's not where it stops. We start off as his adversaries. We end up his friends. Matter of fact, we end up more than that. We end up his children. But God. That moment when the child, the Christ was born, God had a but God moment. <laughs> that great light of his son's birth broke open a endless possibilities of salvation and being reconciled, being fully loved and being adopted. Not separated, but joined with him. There's a lot of moments like this throughout the Bible. There's a lot of moments where God breaks in to the hopelessness that exists in humanity. And the birth of Christ is no different. You know, my, my hope for us, especially in this hard, hard year, I mean, I mean, what a better time to make sure we, the body of Christ, have our hope anchored in nothing <laughs> but Christ, right? I mean, if, it, I, listen, if, if 2020 has done anything for me, it has revealed how delicate and fragile this life is and how much I, Daryl Temple, should not have any of my hope placed in, resting upon, anchored in anything of this world. And my hope 
for us is that we can wrap our minds around and get our hearts. That if, that if God did this when we were his enemies, how much more is he going to do now that we are his friends? So you ask me, why do I have hope? Well, the story of Jesus' birth came right on time for me. <laughs> Coming to the end of 2020, I'm locked in. I'm locked in to the message of hope. The only place of which I can build my life on and be fully assured that no matter what happens in this life, come sickness, come poverty, come death, come anything, I will not be shaking because my hope is in something greater than the things of this world. And my prayer for you, if you're listening, is that your hope would also be placed, it would also rest upon and be anchored and tethered to the man, Jesus Christ. Guys, what's good about the good news, and I think this is Tim Keller's, uh, st- uh, a quote from Tim Keller, although I couldn't find it, uh, but my wife told me it was, so I'm, I'm banking on that. But, but the good uh, news is that we are more loved than we think. And in, in, in surely the message of Jesus' birth begins to introduce us to the depths of God's love for his people. For God, what? So loved the world that he gave his only son. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the scripture. I thank you, Father, for the truth. And Lord, I ask God today that your Holy Spirit would minister and and complete and and bring to a certain kind of crescendo or, or a certain kind of flourishing, God, a certain kind of moment where these things become more than just the words of a pastor, but they come, they become something very real, burning in the hearts of your people. That even though 2020 has been a rather hard year, we still, God, have such a hope in Christ that come pandemic, come uh, the toxic political climate, come separation from our loved ones, Lord, in the holiday season, come sickness, come anything, God, we can be assured that our hope cannot be taken. We are persecuted, yes. We are pressed in, shaken. God, we are are feeling it from all sides. But in our hearts, our hope remains because we've not looked to this world to find hope. We've not looked to this world to give us the answer, to, to, to provide for us our joy. That is in Christ. And so, Father, redirect us this morning and in this holiday season. Help us get into the story of, of, of Jesus' birth. Help us get into the story of, of Jesus' coming so that we can prepare ourselves for that day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.